our different attitudes. This one is all about dick. Yeah, it is all about dick. It is all about dick. And turns out dick is very profound. Who said, who would have thought? Bonsoir. <laughs> you are so insufferable. <laughs> I really wanted to surprise you with that one. I had that one tucked deep in my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome back, guys, to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. Today, I am joined by my great friend, Haja, from the Downtime with Haja podcast. Mm-hmm. Ça va? Ça va bien, merci à vous. <laughs> I think she's good. I think that's, I think that's what she means. <laughs> Listen, for all these listeners who are actually interested, so I just come back from France, right? And I really want to learn French. And I asked. I don't think somebody, any of the listeners are interested in what you do. <laughs> None of them are so interested. I've been on this French gas, and I've just, you know, I'm, I'm picking up this French thing quite uh, slowly, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But um, anyway, today we'll be uh, discussing, obviously, the best show on TV right now, The White Lotus. Season two, episode four and five, mm-hmm. both written and directed by Mike White, of course, which is probably like the easiest part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, before we delve into it, I mean, two really wild, uh, mm-hmm. interesting episodes, basically. Just wanted to say, um, if you guys please, 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 please review, rate, subscribe, all the platforms, um, kind of let us know how we're doing, give us like comments on anything on any thoughts that come to you. We have like a couple of episodes coming up. We'll have like a TV recommendations episode coming up. We have like a top 10 TV shows coming up this year. I mean, sort of going through it last... Can I be on that episode, um, please? Last week's um, episode. Um, can you be on that episode? Bankley are you hearing this? <laughs> Bankley hates me. He never asks me to be on the episodes anymore. Bankley might. I think Bankley hates everybody. So Ever since I started slandering the MCU, he doesn't let me on the episodes anymore. But the MCU should be sl- rightfully slandered. I slandered the so. MCU all the time. Well, I mean, I think Quentin Tarantino has come out list of many, many, you know, smart people like us. Yes, we don't need validation MCU, from but, um, some old white man, minus <laughs> Scorsese, of course, Marty. My good. And also we've got like Atlantic episode as well for those fans of um, Donna Glover, Childish Gambino. And we've got other things coming up as well. So please, guys, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. And also on YouTube, so leave us some YouTube comments. Slide into our DMs, you know. Obi Alright was that black guy saying white lives matter. He's so racist. <laughs> I was not that person. <laughs> yeah, that's where he was. <laughs> You're going to put me in trouble right now. Obi Alright was Jeez. at the Capitol when they stormed it. <laughs> he was helping them open Well, you're January 6th, excuse me. All right, let's get into the episode. Thanks, guys, again for listening. And yeah. So, Kaja, White Lotus episode four and five. I mean, I feel like with these episodes, it it's just been getting better and better, hasn't it? It definitely has. Like I've, I think this season is. I feel like I'm a bit, I'm much more invested in these characters than I was in season one. But mm-hmm. what do you think of these two? Ep- um, well, of episode four. Um, I really fucking enjoyed this episode. I thought that. It was doing so many really amazing things. And there's so many like lines and quotes that really, really stood out to me. 
and they're just like unlocked a lot of like thinking and reflection on my part and I just um yeah I really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. I also feel like similar to you I'm becoming a lot more invested in these characters I also feel that we're beginning to like understand sort of their position not only in relation to each other but like um in terms of like okay the marriages or you know Portia and I said and Portia and Albi mm-hmm. and the the three generation of men but sort of like their relation to sort of their own identity and who they are trying to become who they have become like you know all these different sort of exceptions and different rules and different games being played particularly within the romantic relationships are really, really interesting to observe. And then you move on to like episode five and you see that evolve, you know, in a transactional relationship between the sex Mm -hmm, workers mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, their clients. And I think that that is just, there's a lot going on that you can really, really talk about. So yeah, I think, I also think this season has solidified itself as sort of like, we're talking about gender and sex politics and desire. You know, that's sort of more apparent in this season mm-hmm. than it was in the first. I think the first one was sort of about like white privilege, yeah. colonialism. This one is sort of about male privilege. Yeah. And I think sort of like our different attitudes. This one is all about dick. Yeah, it is all about dick. It is all about dick. And turns out dick is very profound. Who said, who would have thought? <laughs> I think dick is very, dick makes the world go around. Dick apparently. does make yeah. the world go around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you brought up, I mean, romantic relationships, right? Which, which one would you say you're most invested in so far? Definitely Cameron and his wife. I always forget her name. Is her name Megan? I, did, I think the actress's Daph- name is Megan. No, not Daphne. Daphne. Uh, yeah, Daphne. Yeah, yeah, Daphne. Yeah. So Daphne and Cameron and Harper and Ethan. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. There's so much to say about that. But I, th- I'm also very invested in the budding relationship between Albie and Lucia, the young Prost. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that's a really fascinating relationship. Um. But I, I think that there, there's something Speaking I really. Speaking of, uh, I mean, wanna... oh, mm-hmm. I just got a message from, you know. The big boss, Bunkley. Mm-hmm. He asked me to ask you, because I think the last episode we're kind of slandering Albie quite a bit. We're sort of saying we don't believe his old good boy act shtick. We think he's full of shit. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada, yada. Do you think we're, you know, a bit too hard on him? Do you think we're... I think you were sort of just picking up on the clues that the writers are leaving. So, like, I think that something that's very evident in this season is sort of, like, we're trying to talk about even that whole Godfather scene in episode three, right? You know, we're talking about Mm -hmm. how things change and evolve through the ages. What do different generations perceive as being a man? And I think that's a really important question. So what is it to be a man to the grandfather, to the father, to his son? And And I think in this episode, the fourth one, he says like father, like father, like son, which I think is a really, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. An incredible, incredibly written line. It's so perfect. And so I think that mm-hmm. I'll be, I don't quite, I'm not, I'm it's like 65% sure he might turn out to be a villain, but he didn't go in the direction that I predicted in episodes four and five. He went in an entirely different direction. Same. So I, I feel like um, maybe we're still waiting. You know, we have two episodes left, right? We might be waiting for his fuck up, but I think that he's, he's, he's there to illustrate that there is that other type of guy. You know, when he, you know, when he asked Portia to go, he's like, oh, I'm being aggressive. can be saved. It's really interesting. And I think he also really does a good job at illustrating the female desire. 
Because mm-hmm. I think it's very simple to go say, oh, no one likes nice guys. But I just don't agree. Because look at how much Lucia welcomes that kind of male contact in her life because of her line of work. Mm-hmm. That is the yeah. type of guy that she is more comfortable with, more safe with. Um, whereas you have Portia, who sort of has the rugged Essex boy, who is showing her a bit yeah. of that danger, I mean, a bit of that spontaneity. And that's what she desires. And that is fine. I think, I think it's a really good way of illustrating that whatever we desire is fine. So long as it's, you know, you know, within a certain place. But I think it's just an interesting way to show, yeah, women are attracted to these sometimes, some women or most women, as men like to say, are attracted to these dangerous types. Goons, the villains. Um, But, like, yeah, I don't know. That's what I sort of feel about it. But I don't think Albie is completely... I I, I would say he's innocent until proven guilty, but I'm going to keep my eye on him. That's what I will say. What do you think about Jack? You know, Essex boy. You know, tall, blonde. Um, not my type, but handsome, you know. He's it's cute, but I don't really like Essex accents. Once he was like, sort of, when Sabrina's like British Essex accent, I was just like, I'm not saying I can relate to this, but there have been a couple of times in holidays where when I've started talking, it's like, anyway. Um, oh my God. Bakunay, please delete this man's <laughs> attempt at talking about his holidays <laughs> on this goddamn podcast. Please, Bakunay, for happens, the sake of all people listening, nobody wants to happens on holidays, think about Obiara's holiday riz. Like, no one cares. What happens on holiday stays on holiday. I mean, you did bring up um, Cameron and Daphne because we definitely spoke about, I mean, who has, not the upper hand, but sort of the upper hand in that relationship where Daphne's definitely aware that Cameron is, you know, obviously cheating on her and stuff. Like, she's not dumb. By the same time, she's not she's not going to let this fucking guy you know mm-hmm. control her emotions in life or make her sad so she's going to do her own thing mm-hmm. so what do you think of that so you know, I, that vibe i have several thoughts about that but i want to start with a line that stood out to me in episode four go on and i think it's so key and it's so central to this entire season especially when we're thinking about gender and sex politics and power and the way that it shifts within mm-hmm. relationships and it's Lucia, she says, whores are always punished. Um, I think that is a really, really great line. And Why? The, girl, are you not going to let me elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut in. Never let okay. you Okay, so I think what's really, really interesting is that there is sort of no, like a lot of writers, like feminist thinkers and writers, they talk about how there's really no universally held definition um, of the word whore. Anyone can be a whore. And there's an Italian anthropologist, her name is Paola Tibet, and she talks about how there is a socio-economical exchange and it's it's a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't actually have a dichotomy between marriage and prostitution, but that they are placed in a continuum with variation. So you can be called whore depending on whatever culture you belong to because that exchange of money for goods or, you know, sex as property is defined as legitimate and illegitimate across many different cultures you can find. Um, I'm doing a very, very, very like Spock note summary. I really recommend you go and read it. It's very simple. It's not very... What is the, I mean, where does the uh, dynamic of power come in? Because you can see a king won't be called a whore, basically. Yeah, so, so what I, so, you know what's so interesting is so the universal element, though, that encompasses all of these different definitions 
is that transgression. Mm -hmm. So whatever rule that operates in whatever society you live in concerning women's bodies as property, once you transgress those rules, you can be called whore. And there's a whole like theory, yeah, called the, the whore stigma. And it's like often described as a whip that holds women under subordination. And I think it's very, very interesting with Daphne and Cameron. You sort of see Mm -hmm. that fight for power and that like, there's just that struggle. She tries to get one over on him, but she's not really happy about the state of affairs. And ultimately she is sort of playing like, a losing game, I think. You know, right? Like, do you think so? I she, hmm. she, I think she is. I mean, and I, I will elaborate on why I think she is. I'm sure you've heard many, 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 many times. You know, the master's tools will never dis- dismantle the master's house. Mm-hmm. But she's seeking a solution for her unhappiness or for her husband's infidelity and his betrayals or wrongdoings within the boundaries of a space in which where she really doesn't have any true power because he pays and she provides Mm -hmm. a service that service is being a wife to put it simply right but she doesn't Mm -hmm. really have agency so any solution that she comes up with that stays within the boundaries of this relationship in which she fundamentally because of the way society runs lacks power it's still on his terms. You get what I mean? At the end of the day, he still has the upper hand. When you really think about it, he still has the upper hand. Her having an affair with a random Pilates trainer isn't going to change those dynamics, right? And I think that they do a really good job of showing how that solution is unsatisfactory. They do wrinkle it a little bit, I feel, with the with the advances that Cameron eventually makes on Harper. That's very, very interesting. And I thought that was like really cool. I was like, yeah, I'm very happy. That is very, very spicy. That was so spicy. Oh my God. I was like, damn. Are those, are we meant to think that those are Cameron's kids then, or that's the trainer's kids? Oh, um, I didn't, my mind didn't go there. I don't know why. She was talking about how, she was talking about how, you know, he's got blonde Ooh, hair. Oh, that's actually a really good hit. I, I didn't pick up on blonde that. Blonde hair and blue eyes. And she just showed um, half of the picture of his kids. I was just like, wait, 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 what? So are we supposed to think that these are not Cameron's kids then? Well, that Do you think that changes? I mean, you're sort of talking about how Ooh, like... If they're not his kids, then that sort of changes my theory because men really care about like legacy and mm. shit. So if he, if those are not his children, that appends, well, not appends, but definitely dents that she doesn't have actually as much power as she does. Because if she's been deceiving him and he leaves his legacy of like wealth or whatever to another man's children, that is a great chess Mm -hmm. move on her part. Like that is a huge sort of like win for her. Yeah. So I don't think, I think he's sort of um, unaware of, you know, what she's getting up to as well. I think that he thinks that she's just like a good stay at home wife and he doesn't really know like the shenanigans she's up to. When he's out, you know. Yeah, I don't think he's very aware of anything. Um, I mean, that was... I do love her scenes with Harper, though. Yes! Daphne and Harper. I don't know, I feel like they always have the best... They do. They have the best sort of one-to-one scenes. And and the... Uh, sorry, about to say something. Yes, no, the Daphne character, so that's, I think, Fahey. I always forget her first name. I think it's Megan. She gives such an incredible, mm-hmm. subtle performance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what she does with her eyes when, you know, she's she's speaking to her? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
really good eye actor. And you know, in the third episode, she talks about, you know, what men really lack um, and that they're just all alone and stuff. I think she's just really, really good mm-hmm. at doing a lot with a little, um, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think going on like desire, I think there's something I really want to bring up. Just like, I don't know if you have this in your notes, but I think it's really like, cause this like is coming to me. What I was watching, you know, when they're going in and out of the bedrooms, the like prostitutes, it's like a farce kind of like, like if you've ever seen like a French farce, <laughs> or, like Commedia dell'arte, which is like Italian farce, right? Of course. And the plots are very, very like, you know, they hinge on like, they're all about like infidelity, marriage. And then there's usually like a very clever, like underling or like servant character who sort of like, you know, wins in the end, right? Yeah. But I thought that the hotel ma- manager's crush on the receptionist is really, really interestingly done. And Valentina. Valentina, right? And I feel like we're getting more of like the quote unquote inner farce, I guess you'd call them like downstairs characters. Yeah, I'm I'm quite interested to see like where that is going because that came out not 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 out of nowhere, but I mean her coworker, colleague gave her a compliment and now she's, you know, sexually attracted to this lady and, you know, literally banished her coworker because No. I don't know, he was looking at her funny. What was I mean I goals? Is that goals? Yeah, but like I think it's so interesting. It's not though, but it, it what I find really striking about that is the way that she says men are intrusive, men are aggressive, then proceeds to literally sexually harass this woman because I personally think what she's doing is actually harassment. Like, she's not made any explicit advances. Is that sexual harassment? I wouldn't define it as sexual harassment, but she's definitely... She's the, now the one making this woman uncomfortable. She gives she's, she gives her this. She's gift. walking the line. She isn't. Yeah. She's towing it, in my opinion. Right. She Do gives her this gift. One hundred percent. She gives her this gift. She isolates her from someone she desires. Like that's just like leading up to being right. like harassing someone. Right. You've taken away the person mm-hmm. because you know they're attracted to them and you're jealous. That's so unprofessional. That's not none of your business. Right. Um, you keep giving her gifts, you're staring at her, you're lingering, you're sort of imposing this expectation on her. It's the same way we feel with the F. Murray Abraham character, where he looks at these young women, (laughs) he lingers on them. But it's so, it's like, I don't know what the Mike White is trying to say, which I really like about this show. Like, I feel like sometimes they just throw questions out there. And like they don't trying to say something, them. but I don't know it yet. I don't, I don't know, know it yet. yet. So I'm really intrigued. To think to think of the right words to actually put it yeah um harper and ethan mm-hmm. um i mean i mean their relationship is a bit weird isn't it because i mean you sort of brought up um cameron and harper mm-hmm. that i'm not sure if his energy was reciprocated to him when he was filling up on a leg i don't know i mean what did you think of that? i think she did definitely think like flirted with the idea of like him mm. Yeah. I mean, that wine tasting session was a... I, that was a... I've never been wine tasting before, right? But really? I don't... No. I just go, you know, pub, tavern. I think you, I think you wouldn't ask the guy to pour the wine and fill it up, right? You don't do that. That's the most, like, British... No, you, slash, you really don't. That's really, like, bad etiquette. That's, yeah, really... It sounds really bad. I don't down it all and ask him to... You really do <laughs> not down it. You're meant that to That guy's face it. was perfect. Yeah, just a lot of, like, subtle comedic moments on this show where it's like this is yeah really, really good writing this is really really funny stuff so 
what the fuck? Why is she doing all of Is she just like, is she still distraught about finding the condom? I think, I or think. Or does she still think that Ethan cheated? Just trust Ethan. Yeah, no, no. I think she's come to terms with the fact that she's with someone who might potentially lie to her where she never had that possibility in her mind before. I think, right. you know, it's so interesting how Daphne's happy that Cameron has a friend like um, Ethan, but obviously Harper has to be afraid that Ethan has a friend like Cameron. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I think it's this whole thing. Like, you see them do the, they, you know, obviously money is very, very important in this show. You know, we were following a lot of rich people. But going back to that whole idea of whores are like, punished right so like if you like that sort of like sexual deviance that immoral thing Mm. is sort of it's Mm -hmm. it's reserved for like the lower class people the people who are having sex in order to survive but with ethan Mm. it's sort of like the more money you have the more opportunity you have to engage in that sexual deviance i don't know whether that was deliberate but i definitely made that connection where it's like for on the one hand the people with the money engaging in sexual deviance is sort of like a byproduct of their success. Yeah. Whereas like it is part of your um, failure as a woman to have to sell your body or for your body to be your capital and you, you know, are, are a sex worker. Um, even when she, you know, meets Albie and she says, you don't, you don't like, I, I can tell you, you will be different with me or whatever. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to Albie because he did some really bozo shit. And I think it was episode four. <sighs> yeah I'm, I'm pretty i feel bad for him but he's also like such a fool like i felt bad i was like oh i'll be but i was like oh, but this guy you're such a goofy man christ <laughs> literally like the next line i've got to here sort of staying on harper and ethan like there was that conversation i was kind of talking about it earlier on before we you know, click record um like i'm not sure what harper's point was i think she wanted to out the fact that Cameron cheated or someone cheated or something. And I started asking about like, so have you ever had a threesome? Have you ever watched something? And I was like, this is really awkward and uncomfortable. And I'm not really sure. I guess it was lit in that when you're pretty lit and pretty drunk, you, you know, ask really silly questions, don't you? Especially when it's wine, French or Italian wine. I think it's a really good um, display of what Ethan mentions at the winery. It's called like mimetic rivalry, right? There we go, yeah. It's this whole idea of like mimetic desire that we only desire things because basically the point is sort of like desire something that's fundamentally a social thing, right? We desire things because other people desire them. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously the, the person who came up with the theory of mimetic desire also implied that a lot of rivalry follows. And I think what um, who came up with the, the concept? His name is Rene something. He's French, but I honestly don't remember, but I know his name is Rene okay, something. No but um, I think what um, Aubrey Plaza is doing, which I think is really interesting. So she's taken the cue from Daphne and she's like, oh, this is a game, right? It's about power. It's about who wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she takes that and, and she plays with it because she plays up that rivalry with camera because she is flirting with him by asking that question she she flirts with him when she does the leg thing she 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 mm-hmm. engages in that because she knows it'll make ethan uncomfortable because she knows it'll mm-hmm. unnerve him and this is her way of sort of i guess i guess signposting or signaling that she's now ready for the game whereas before 
She was really right. trying to stay out of it because she wanted to prove that they were above that. They're about a couple, right? They're, they trust each other. They're honest. And I think one thing I really like about these two yeah, episodes... We're, be- is, we're better than all these other couples. Yeah. yeah. One thing I really like about these two episodes is it sort of asks, okay, so the perfect couple who don't look great... Who who are not actually great on the inside are not a good couple. But then we are also not a good couple. So I think the main question is who is a good couple, and I think the answer is no one. Yeah, (laughs) no one. I was going to ask who do you think is who do you think is a happier couple between Ethan and Harper and Cameron and Daphne? I mean, Cameron and Daphne at least they're still shagging. Like fucking Ethan loves the bouncy milf mom. it's, it's It's all a facade, though, isn't it? Like. Isn't it? I'm like, really is it better interested. being happy under uh-huh. is it is it is it better being happy under a facade than being whatever the fuck Harper and Ethan are? I personally would rather be I think in that's Cam- what Mike White is trying to ask us. I think I'd rather be in Daphne's position, but that's just a personal choice. To get your Pilates trainer then, don't we? Yeah. Like I'd rather that, honestly. <laughs> like honestly I'd rather that. I think um, I'd just come to the conclusion that like Again, it's it's that whole exchange, right? It's it's what I mentioned earlier. It's like this is yeah. an arrangement, and I think it it also because of obviously the sex sex workers are a prominent part of this season, and the entire like point of the sex trade is that it's de- it's defined by the right of men to use their money to have power over women, right? To purchase women, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. it really highlights, and you, I think the season focuses on the very transactional nature of all relationships, even the ones that you think of as legitimate, you know, like even the ones that are like, you you may think that a sex worker and her client is an illegitimate relationship, but a wife and her husband, definitely not. But everyone is still bartering. Like whether you're using guilt Mm -hmm. to get something or you're using sex to get something, or you're actually using money to get something or gifts, like Mm -hmm. you're still bartering. And it's all in this very like, extended power play um yeah it's sort of the way i see they it. didn't ask they didn't ask who's going to pay for the next date so that's <laughs> that's 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 good to hear uh i have a question for you though uh-oh <laughs> what do you think about the whole like male competition aspect like do you think that like rivalry is like a mass like is inherently part of like male relationships because obviously you will have them i don't have i'm um, not a man I am definitely a man, but I don't think, especially within, <laughs> I think within my, like, sort of group of friends, we're all, I don't think we, I don't think we're like that, but I know it's, but I think we're kind of like the, I don't want to say exemption, but it definitely is a thing. Mm-hmm. It definitely is a thing. I mean, you see it all the time about, oh, he's doing this, so I'm going to do this instead. Oh, he's buying three bottles, I'm going to buy four bottles. To yeah. Just dumb things like that. I'm yeah. just like, oh, I'm really... I'd rather be doing something else, do you know what I'm saying? Rather like, you know, trying to see who's the most alpha of the alpha. But it definitely does happen though. And I feel like, especially if you get that rich and successful within them circles, it's just, you know, what did it, what, what did um, this guy call it? The dick swinging contest, basically. But can I just complain about one thing? I'm just gonna, Bagley, he might edit it out, but honestly. Complain about men? Yes. When Ethan fucking says, you should be happy I didn't do anything, you fucking shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was He's like... such a shit. Like, you're such a fucking shit. You I was count. like, Ethan, I you're would a goon, literally, man. 
You are like, a Hopper goon. Like, is a better woman than me. I would have thrown him off the balcony. I would have killed him right then and there. I don't think she you knew what to do about that You want an award for being faithful to your wife? Are you sick in the head? That was a pretty wild thing to say. It's like, you should be appreciative of faithful. Especially when you've been caught red-handed. Like, you were caught red-handed. Oh my gosh. But apparently, he didn't, but he didn't do anything. According to him... <laughs> Oh man. Okay, let's. I think we've been on these people for a while. Let's move on to Albi. And I mean, I think the thing about it is like initially we had like five different storylines, but now they've all seemed to sort of converge. Mm-hmm. So I have like you know the three Italians and Tanya. I'm worried those like gays might be scamming her, Loki. I don't know. Something about it feels dishonest. Uh, is it? Is it Tom? Is it Tom Hollander that's just, just really? I don't know. I don't. I don't really trust him in anything. I don't know. I watched them in the nights. Uh, night manager, and it was obviously the bad, the bad guy with Hugh Laurie, and I just like, yeah, I don't trust this guy at all. But that's a good, that's a good shout though. They could be scamming her, like. And I and I particularly picked up on it because she says something about how meeting people with money is good because you you can get comfortable that they don't want yours. And I feel like because she said that, it like made my ears perk up and be like, hmm, maybe they do though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think... So I haven't really thought about it, you know, but if, mm-hmm. I mean, if it happens now, I'm quite surprised. But, I mean, what do you think of him? Like, him and her relationship? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's pretty... I mean, she looks like she's, like, happy for the first time mm-hmm. in the show, I guess. I guess, you know, since since she met Greg and stuff. But I think what what is even more interesting is Portia and Jack. Mm-hmm. And I guess we could bring in Albie here as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you feel about Portia? I like her, but you know what made me laugh? She reminded me, like, you know when you don't like a guy, and so all you can say is, oh my god, he's so nice, he's so nice. He's actually so nice. Like, if you met him, you know he was so nice. He went to Stanford. Oh my god, he's so nice. That's like when you're not attracted to someone, and your friends ask you how the date went, and you're like, yeah, he's so nice. Like, really really nice why doesn't she tell him i mean don't you feel like what does she tell what does she just tell him that you know she doesn't want to hang out anymore rather than waiting you know letting or sort of standing him up basically that was a very nice wasn't it? i don't think she necessarily stood him up but i do think what she did was unfair like i wish she just told him like oh yeah just tell him I'm yeah. like, even if it's sad at least he knows rather than him you know some false but to my surprise, she was actually bothered by him with Lucia. She was. And I know, like, because I know women. She I was literally bothered. have it here. Well, she bothered here. She was so bothered. So she's, she's a bit of a scumbag as well, actually. No, so she's, like, she's, she but she's so real because what do you mean? <laughs> uh. <laughs> she's so real. So because I rejected you, Hava. <laughs> Who gave you the audacity to go fucking get with another in girl? Fr- so I wouldn't even care, but in front of me, like, how dare you? Because she was like, um, I'm... I mean, she was like, I've got to leave, let's go. But I think it's just a normal human thing, right? Like, you, it's just human, like, we are, we, we overestimate our importance to people, right? So it's very, like, it's, it's sort of narcissistic, but the, it is true. I'm sure we've all felt this way. Yeah. You like someone and you're the one rejecting them. How dare they replace you so fast? Like, <laughs> yeah. When you're the one rejecting them. And I also, obviously, because she's sort of, I definitely think, subconsciously felt oh well i'm doing him a favor like look at me and look at like he's like the nerdy one and i'm sort of like yeah 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 attractive he's and interesting and so he's you know, punching here the way that i mean goes. fair play to man i love i love lucia and mia man it's like fair play to it's like oh let's try and get let's try and get her back but before we get to that mm-hmm. 
the end of episode five. What the fuck? Um, I'm guessing that's not his nephew. I'm guessing that's not his nephew as well, because, I mean, I was not expecting that. I didn't know what I was he expecting. He might also be, be a sex worker. He might also be a sex worker. Who, Jack? Yeah. I mean, because you sort of think, why, when you're, what's this guy doing here? So it's his nephew. Like, oh, sure, sure. But then that happens and you're like, oh, wow. Wowie, wowie, wowie. Do you know something I've noticed that I really like? Whenever something like sus happens, they zoom in on the artwork around yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the place. And the art always, it kind of always reflects what's happening in the yeah. moment as well. And even like the whole like idea when she says like who's always punished and you just see them focus on eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of like, I, I, I don't, I remember, I think it was the very first episode, was it the second episode? Where they, where they come and they see the, like, the clay pots made of the decapitated head and they tell them that story about the woman who, you know, found out this man was, like, unfaithful and cut his head up and put it in the ground and it grew All the good stuff, plants yeah. or whatever. But, like, I think the whole, like, that theme sort of is, like, secrets will always come out. And I think when they pan to the paintings, especially with the eyes, it's like, someone is actually always watching. And I think it like links to what um, Michael Imperioli um, says with, to his father, where he's like, did you, do you think you were really that discreet? Like somebody is actually always aware of the wrong, of the wrong that you're doing. Yeah. It's like, you know, we can see your tweets, Hadja. (laughs) What tweets? (laughs) Sorry, sorry, that was that was really unnecessary. That was really but, um, <laughs> low vibrational. <sighs> Gosh, even this low vibrational stuff is that well. was really low vibrational. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think, man, because like that final scene really, I was just like, whoa, whoa, this compatibility. I was like, okay, what happens? What happens to Jack? What happens to um, Tanya? <laughs> How does she relay this information to? To Portia, what happens to Albi now? Uh, Albi's happy with Lucia, but you know, there's Portia like want to link up again. I only have two episodes more, so like, how can they all, you know, cram all of this in two hours, basically? So that'd be quite interesting to to see. I'm much of a theatre person. I literally used to be an actor. Oh. Yeah, like I used to do Shakespeare for my county. Jeez. Yeah. I am much of a theatre person. But why do you ask? I don't, are you asking whether I like the opera? <laughs> yeah. Or was that opera? I thought it was theatre. No, see, see how cultured, cultured I am. <laughs> well, you did ask me whether I like art early on, and I obviously, you know, said yes, then didn't I? Yeah. Um, so that's the, I think I've, I've, I've never actually been to the opera, but I, I've heard great, great things. Where's that opera house? Is that, in, is that Australia? Um, the, the Sydney Opera House, yeah. Sydney Opera House, there we go. Um, Albi and Lucia's relationship, like, that was, that was pretty nice, wasn't it? I guess that's, like, the one redeeming thing of the show so far. Like, I think they're actually trying to have, you know, some kind of actual connection. But at the same time, I'm quite cynical, obviously, because I'm an actuary. I'm obviously automatically mm-hmm. cynical of, like, her motives. And she was talking with, uh, um, with me about, is this my way out of here? I was literally about to say that as well. I am not sure that... Lucia has the most noble of motives with Albi. And I feel like that conversation she had with the guy in the street sort of cemented that for me. It it felt like he was a paid actor. I don't know how to explain it. It felt like a con. I just feel like a con is going on, you know? Really? 
Oh, that is all the way cynical. Yeah. But I also don't but I also don't want to believe that. Like I also like because I think I don't know if you noticed this, but the wardrobe design is excellent job. Once she stops searching for clients and she's with him, she's wearing like she's no longer wearing the sparkly dresses and the heels, she's wearing boots and like this yellow dress. She's a lot more covered. And I don't know, like I I I I, I want to believe that. At best, I hope she's just using him to, like, hopefully he brings her back to LA. She can get a green card or some shit. <laughs> but, like, I don't want her to be, like, using, using him, you know, in the worst way. Because yeah. everyone's using someone. But, like, this... Like, yeah, you literally brought up, like, what, transactional relationships and stuff in it. But... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that scene where she was like, but the money after that, after that, you know, amazing night of like, I thought that was really interesting. She was like, the money for me. I thought that was really, really interesting. Actually. Yeah, but she's just so pre, just so conditioned, isn't she? That, you know, all her relationships must be transactional and there's yeah. and stuff. So, but it was like, oh, it's like pretty nice to see them, you know? But I'm pretty worried though, because I think like, I think she's going to die. <laughs> you think she's going to die? Okay, so what are your predictions for dead people now? Lucia. Lucia. Because it's going to be a couple of people in it. I think Lucia Jack is dying. And J- Jack, yeah, them too. Because I feel like it's all, I mean, I do have it in my notes as well. She was talking about how she doesn't want to be alone and punished. She meets an Italian pimp. Gosh, it's not going to end well. Lord, I've got Mia is going to sign the free sick deal with Birdman. Um, but yeah, I feel like just the conversations she was, she was having it was quite like existential, is that the word? But how she thinks or she's foreseen that things are going to end soon. Mm-hmm. just like oh this is this is pretty this is not nice what do you think um i feel like i feel like she's just conditioned to think that things can really only end one mm. way and so as a result like of course she thinks that way like it's just her conditioning but i'm not too sure i definitely also think that one of the four men are dying as well like i think it's going to be um i think one of the three generations might die Oh right. Yeah, like I'm I'm definitely quite sure of that right now. Wow. Yeah. Have you seen spoilers or something? No 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 no. I just have an inkling. I haven't seen oh, any right, spoilers, right. I just have an inkling. Oh. Have you got any more sort of opinions on like what's going on with Tanya right now? I think that opera scene and oh, one of the most beautiful lines when he talks about, you know, like life is about, you know, beauty and being surrounded by that. And I think she's sort of getting to a point where she understands that what she needs to sustain her life or to keep going is to to be able to... Because she can't be on her own. Like, even when she's napping, she needs Portia to sit at the end of the room. I think she's sort of understanding that she needs to become someone that she can be alone with. Um, Because I don't think she is. I think she's she's, mm -hmm. she's sort of made up of so many of these things that she's running away from either she she wants to get a fortune teller to yeah, I mean, to lie to her or whatever mm-hmm. you know the fortune teller scene was also really interesting you know a fortune teller that seems to be painted as a legitimate one not a charlatan um because she has these bad readings and she's like no this is negative <laughs> yeah i mean it's pretty wild to go on a holiday then leave for two days and come back <laughs> yeah talking about greg even if it's work you need to tell work to just throw away your phone and just you know you only need yeah. a week in it so but yeah i was supposed to bring this up on like how every day or every episode is a day oh i didn't know that it takes 
place over a course of a day. That's interesting. Yeah, so I think it's seven episodes, seven days. Okay. With the White Lotus, which is pretty, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Interesting That stuff. is pretty but, um, intense. Dom, in Perot's character, you have, you have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pass you the ball. I want you to cook, please. I think it's really interesting. Each generation of this man, these men, as you go down, think they're better than the one that came before them. Um, but I think the three, you know, the three Italians, right? Yeah, they all think the they're better than the one that yeah. came before them. They, you know, they, you know, you look at the older one; he's just sort of a textbook misogynist, and then you have the younger one who's sort of like a misogynist, but you know, not so much. And then you have Albie, who's trying so hard to deviate from the example that he has. And I think that conversation. Yeah. And and I think what's really sort of touching, I think, and I didn't expect it, was when he actually, like, mm-hmm. pleads and says, you know, you, do you really think if I had been shown how to love someone or how to treat a woman that I would, I would be where I am? And he's, like, blaming him. But I think it's just a really... I think you get to that phase yeah. where you, you do have these more transparent conversations with your parents about mm-hmm. how they've, you know, impacted you or traumatized mm-hmm. you or, or sort of changed your path from the norm. And I think... It's 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 saying something really interesting, and I think it's it's very good that they are men because you know you you have the stigma that men really talk about their feelings and whatever. Call them feelings. Yeah, but I think it's it's really interesting that in a show that's talking about masculinity, rivalry, all this stuff, you literally have someone asking for a better example and for a for a chance to be better you know i think the thing about the michael character is that he's sort of trying to pivot right he looks at all these couples he feels lonely he he, yeah, he knows that beach, he's yeah. he's done a grave thing to lose what he has mm-hmm. and i think it's just a good way to ask yourself like to what extent are our parents responsible for our bad behaviors and all our sins like when does the buck sort of stop to when you can stop blaming your upbringing and you sort of have to take responsibility. And I think yeah. the show actually, because of how close you have these characters, it doesn't give you a straight answer. And I think that's really interesting because most people will say, you know, you're grown up, be responsible. But I think sort of watching these people, you see all their vices all at the same time and they're all in succession to each other. It's like what you said, like father, like father, like son. Yeah, that's such a good quote, yeah. Let's talk about Dom and Lucia and Albi. Okay. Well, he doesn't want um, her to find out that they've slept together and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, because he offered her, you know, the chance to, I can't remember what he offered her and stuff, but he said, just stay away from my son. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see how that kind of relationship plays out. Because Arby's definitely going to find out eventually that his dad has like slept with her. And it'll be like, how, I mean, is he still willing to go ahead with this with her? Because that is quite... That is quite something. I think he sort of knows, though. With his dad? I think he sort of knows. With his No, I think... Well, I think he knows... Obviously knows that, she, you know, she's a sex worker. I don't think he knows that she slept with his dad. Albie. I mean, I personally don't think it should change anything between them. Like, if he likes her, he likes her. Like, it's just yeah. an occupational hazard that she happened to fuck his father. But, like... Jeez... <laughs> What's she gonna do? Like, business is business. I think, I honestly think that what stands between them is whatever both their agendas are. Because I think, I still sort of believe the portrayal of Albie is quite naive and innocent. I don't think he quite understands. So I think what it, it really highlights, I think, is sort of like 
the different sort of realities that everyone is occupying, right? I don't think he really, really understands what it means to be a woman who's like under economic duress and obviously is now like a prostitute, right? I don't think mm-hmm. he really understands that. He sees her as like, what did he say in episode three? Like wounded birds. Like I think he's sort of going to see himself oh in sort of like gosh. a Prince Charming way. But I don't think he really you. understands the mm-hmm. the gravity of what is going on. And it, it's, it, I feel like one thing we see throughout the the show, which is why I brought up the farce, is like we, we have these character archetypes. Like mm-hmm. we do have these you know, interesting character archetypes. And I, I also think what's really, really interesting, I don't know, I hope I haven't mis- mistaken the episodes, but when he asks her for where to get a necklace, Valentina, and she has such an aggressive attitude, and then you see the way that um, the other receptionist mm-hmm. has an approach. She's like, oh, you can go to the store to buy jewelry Sabella, for yeah. your wife. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's this. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I think another point that the show does make is one of, like, femininity. Mm-hmm. And, like, how you can trade or bank on that. And right, you see okay. that again later with the with the girl who wants to sing and how she barters that with Valentina. So it, it, it's it's like an element that comes up. Mia is literally... Is Mia the most wicked person on the show? She's literally gave the dodgy pill to the piano, pianist guy and just like taking a spot and is going to kick him out of the hotel eventually. Then going to sign a 360 deal. But um, yeah, man, I'm really enjoying this season. Man. I'm really, really enjoying this and yeah i think this is i don't know i think they've kind of won up their game and it's sort of good to kind of watch i mean how partnerships i think that's a hbo thing isn't it it's like mm-hmm. you know succession industry and now this it's like how can we insert power into family into the workplace and obviously into sex and relationships as well yeah so yeah it's uh yeah sorry i forgot to bring this up in terms of the, the father please. and his kid but I think I I just remembered something that F. Murray Abraham says. He says you've normalized it for him. And I think it's like that whole thing about like the sins of the father. So I think it's just sort of this whole idea that like, and another question I think is asking is like, how much freedom or free will do we have to deviate from the path that's set for us by our parents and the people that take care of us or look up to us or the people that are meant to sort of like rear us into the world. And because you see people with very different outcomes in their lives and you know, mm-hmm. you, you see, I think it's perfect when you have a literal family of three generations. You see sort of like, maybe it is very hard to deviate. I was going to say, do you feel like because Albie's trying way too hard, do you think that he's just going to... Rev- or like a horseshoe, right? So yeah, just, just ends up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ends up looking like what he's been trying to avoid. I have no answer. I'm waiting to see what the show says That'd about be funny. Him. But I would be really in- intrigued to say, my prediction is is an optimistic one. I think he will obviously still be misogynistic in his own ways, like just by the virtue of being raised in a world that hates women. But like, I think he's going to try. I think he's actually going to really try. We shall see. We shall see. Also, something I thought would happen but didn't. You know when he asked his dad for money, I thought that the dad would barter, oh, call your mom and put in a good word for me and I will pay, give you this cash that That, you sent I think that'll be... That would have been really, really shitty because I think that would be really cynical. Though. <laughs> that would have been because re- we already don't like this guy, but like now we <laughs> hated this guy. Now it's like fucking out, man. Yeah, that was uh, White Lotus episode four and five. I forgot to put the titles on here because I'm just well prepared, aren't I? Uh, thank you. Ooh, it's it's so episode five. I know it's like that's amore because that's the song she sings at the end. Guys, don't forget to to review 
what is rate review subscribe isn't it rate review subscribe on all our platforms forget to drop us dms you know and obviously send us suggestions on what you might want to listen to obviously you want to be on the show and reach out to us we would see what we can do or if there's like any tv shows you're feeling right now um just let us know and just reach out to us because we really appreciate it and it really helps us in the long run merci beaucoup mademoiselle for coming on the show i'm very happy to to talk about this show and i'm really excited for the next few episodes so when you talk in a French accent, have you got a French accent? Well, sorry, when you talk in French, have you got a French accent? Or have you got, like, a British person doing a French... Tu demandes quoi? Peut-être tu peux déterminer si j'ai un accent français ou un accent anglais. C'est toi qui peux déterminer. Toi, tu penses quoi? Tu penses que j'ai un accent anglais ou un accent français? Yeah, you definitely sound like somebody... <laughs> some British person doing a French... <laughs> I feel like clapping just then. And you guys talk too fucking quick, man. Fucking hell, relax, man. No, je parle pas trop vite. Je parle pas trop vite. Je parle vraiment lentement. See you guys. Au revoir, mes amis. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.